New tracking setups have a lot of really cool high energy moments uh, because it's something new and often we do a new tracking setup on that is replacing an existing tracking setup that was not good. And so everyone is in this to create something new. And then comes implementation. And implementation is usually like the downer in every tracking setup project on several reasons. So first, it's hard to get some resources. Then it takes longer than everyone thought. Uh, the developers don't really like to do it. And um, then things are not implemented in the way that you want to have them implemented. So for me, like tracking implementation is still like one of the hardest thing um, in a tracking setup. And Alexander and Air Walker were so frustrated by this that they started a company and started to create a product around that. And so to make it easier and make it more straightforward and create better data quality um, in tracking implementation. And so this is like what Air Walker or their open source um, package walker.js is about to make it easier to make it closer to the business to implement tracking and so we discuss about this a lot we alexander shares the story what frustrated him enough to create this kind of product and um, i think it gives you a good context um, about what still are the challenges of implementing tracking and what are approaches to make it easier and better and available for everything that you deploy because this is another problem that often like product features get deployed without tracking because it takes too long to to edit this is one thing and the other thing which was really interesting for me is like to talk about the role of context in front ends so walker.js is a um, sdk for front end website And so, and I think we, we totally underestimate um, tracking of context on a website um, to because like context can change so many things. So uh, we come up with some, some scenarios like people discover, I don't know, four products already that are out of stock. Of course, I mean, they go away, but in, in the data, you, it's really hard to recognize them unless you just search for them. Um, based on that and so um, there could be interesting things that we can place into context in future and so tracking is not over even when people thought with all the tools out there this topic is not really an innovation topic or a problem solved it's not it's still a problem and there are still ways to do it better And this is what this podcast episode is about. So I hope you enjoy it and you get some takeaways. I definitely got some. So enjoy the conversation. The time when analytics was simply Google Analytics is over now. Today you can build your analytics stack out of over 50 different tools. And new ones are coming in every month. Each of them has its benefits, but also limitations. Finding the right analytics stack has become quite a complex task that includes decisions about architecture, use cases, data ownership, performance, and lastly, legal aspects. This podcast tries to give you more context about the different options you have, 
by talking to leading people from different analytics companies. I am trying to give you insights about the tools, the strategies and the learnings that can help you set up a good analytics stack. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Meet the Analytics Stack and today we meet Alexander from Airwalker. Hi Alexander, great to have you here. Thanks a lot for the invitation, Timo. No, I, uh, so since we both share sometimes uh, some time on on uh, on calls together discussing different kind of things, so I definitely wanted to have this in a public format uh, because we are discussing so many interesting things. So um, maybe can you can you give me a quick intro into yourself and maybe also like uh, into what Alp Walker is doing? Sure. My name is Alexander. I was born and raised in Hamburg, the northern part of Germany, and I grew up with the idea of becoming, um, a, as I said in German, like a computer human. <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk with computers. I wanted to learn the, the language of computers, speaking with computers at the age of 14. And so I learned programming by myself and quickly find my passion with data analytics. Um, I grew up with Google Analytics, the typical way implementing a script and finding the benefits of, of arguing with data. And it really got me hooked since uh, I was proven wrong the whole time, or quite often, at least um, thinking about something, but then finding out people do not behave like I do and uh, things changed uh, since you start listening to them. So this passion became my job later. And that's what I'm working on. And Elpwalker is all about uh, tracking. It's about uh, in, yeah, implementation of tracking. It's about understanding how companies can become uh, data-driven, how they find uh, the, the way to become, uh, to reach data ownership in general. Can you still remember uh, when you uh, got the first thought that then became Elpwalker? So what was kind of a trigger? So can you... Like, do you still have it uh, in front of you? Like the kind of situation that triggered everything? Or was it more like a, I don't know, some kind of like slow progress and at some point it just was like clear that it should end up like this? It wasn't the one Heureka moment, but I remember the, it was kind of a project uh, in a company I've worked for. And I was the guy who was responsible to set up analytics, um, setting up, Uh, everything to better understand not just the typical events, but some special events, some some enhanced analytics. And I quickly became frustrated by the implementation process because it wasn't not just the, the documentation that was from time to time misleading or, mis misleading or um, not, not full of details, but also about the whole process because we've had lots of We had lots of people being involved in this process, talking to the um, product owner. She was uh, asking me to, to set it up. Uh, what can we do? What can we measure? I had to ask with the, the, uh, the backend developer to give me all information about uh, what's on the page. And I had to go to the UX designer and she was uh, constantly designing or implementing new, new layouts, new templates and shortly after speaking with everyone, speaking uh, with management and telling the, the process or telling my story, my idea of uh, the, the measurement in general, 
I was uh, fixing it the whole time because all the people involved changed things without knowing the uh, dependencies to each other. So I thought there must be another way to set up analytics where you don't have to ask anybody in, in, in the company or being involved to find something that's telling you you're going to break the analytics, not because you're new, uh, since it's a process to look into the tag manager, for example, but while designing a template, you see the implementational part. And that was something I developed with some, I uh, had some regular events with friends. Everyone was working on his own project. Uh, we ordered some pizza and we were talking about nerdy stuff. And I was uh, on a whiteboard uh, under my bunk bed uh, th thinking about uh, an implementational solution directly at the point where thinking from a user's perspective, everything starts by clicking, by scrolling. And that was the HTML. And that was the one source of truth I could figure out we should, um, we should care about. Yeah, that was the, in, sh in short, the, the story behind it. And no, it's, it's, it's been a couple of weeks. Cool, it's, it's a cool story because I think like um, everyone who ever managed tracking implementation uh, can retell, I don't know, I guess the same stories. Uh, because like, I mean, this, this story perfectly already described all the challenges about tracking implementation. Yeah. And so um, how does Alpworker help to do it differently then? Or to improve these kind of experience that you just described? Mm -hmm. At first I came up with the idea and I was uh, going from, from colleagues to, to people I knew meeting for, for, for lunch, for example, and asking them about their problems, asking about their situations where they had to debug analytics setups and so on. And I found repeating patterns that most of the time it was all about the processes and the, the misunderstanding about analytics. And I don't know why, but it's always kind of a mystical part that tracking that it's always broken and uh, no one knows how to treat it the right way. And never thinking about uh, running two tools at the same time, since they're both telling you different um, metrics and Elpwalker was uh, an idea, or the Walker.js, we've open-sourced that one, was the idea, okay, if I'm going to ask you to set, to read this code, I, I was, uh, to the lunch meetings, I was bringing a piece of paper with HTML on it, and I highlighted the attributes uh, you need to set to measure user's behavior, and I asked them, what do you think this one is about? And I did it a couple of times and they came out with, okay, this is a product. Uh, when the page get loaded, I got a product view. And if I click here, I got a product uh, ad. So it was basically all the time for each tool, um, you need the same information. And I found a way that even non-techies can read and understand an implementation. And Elpwalker, the Walker.js does exactly this making a descriptive language um, you can write in your HTML without any custom JavaScript, without any custom magic and tag management, without anything uh, you need more in-depth uh, tracking knowledge, setting up mutation observers, event listeners and so on. And the WalkerJS does exactly this. 
taking care of initializing the, the context, collecting the information the moment you click something, and then give you a structured object, a structured event that you can use for whatever you want to use it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, we will go into this uh, in, in more depth in a second. I think the, the, the one thing that I definitely want to ask, because I think this is something uh, also like for the international audience, is like, where does the name come from? I mean, like, I'm myself uh, growing up in northern Germany, so for me it's not so hard uh, to see <laughs> what everyone who's not growing up there, it might be a little bit difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult to find a name for a company uh, that it's not been taken, that could be understood by everyone. And the walkers running around the web page. It's, it's walking from attribute to attribute. So it was very easy speaking that the walker is the core algorithm to build the events. And then we need something to make it unique since walker was <laughs> taken or uh, nothing that special. And Elbe is something quite common uh, for, for people of Hamburg or cities next to the Elbe, the river. So we just placed, uh, we, and I still need a prefix for the attributes placing the HTML. So it was kind of a no-brainer to say, let's call it Elbwalker. And I tried to speak some to, to some um, non-native speakers, how they would pronounce it, because ELB, Elb, what is it? And the elbow, since people can pronounce it, and sometimes still quite difficult, but... Uh, I think we're fine with this one. That's great. I think for everyone who's coming uh, to Hamburg and they will immediately get the idea about the river because it's basically defining the city. And so uh, I kind of like it uh, when you put basically like your brand name with some local merits uh, to it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So maybe coming back, coming back to the tracking situation, I mean, When I look into all my projects that I'm doing, where I do a lot of um, defining uh, how tracking taxonomy should look like, and then discussing how we can basically map all the different information from different parts, maybe of a business and also like from a website. Um, so this is all on the whiteboard and... Um, And we already envision what kind of data we want to visualize in the end. So we, we, we know basically where we want to end up. We, we have a good path um, to define what we want to do. But then comes always this black thing uh, in the middle. And this is called implementation. And based on my experiences, like I do, I don't know, I do 20 of these projects per year. <laughs> and... Um, And there are one or two where it's really straightforward. So they're super quick, they're implemented, it's, everything is right. Most of the time they really struggle. And it's not like that, uh, it's because like there are no developers or like the developers don't really have the skills that they are really good developers. So building quite complex applications, but still it's a problem for them to implement uh, some kind of tracking. So what's your take? What makes tracking implementation so complicated And also like so so easy to break in the future. Maybe let's start what makes it too complicated to set it up and then we can talk about breaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know the pure truth, just my opinion. It's And what I've experienced is that we often have a lack of resources being allocated for this special task. Usually, or most of the time, developers know and understand uh, that I'm not... Yeah, there's no special 
or no secret in, in the Walker JS. It's, it's mutation observers, it's event listeners, it's all about uh, procedures bringing everything in the right order. And developers get it from the first place. And as you said, there's not a lack of understanding, but they are they are booked for other tasks. They don't have the it's not a priority yet. Everyone knows that tracking gets is going to break, uh, that tracking is something you're not doing in the beginning of a future development, but most of the time at the end. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we know it from that that once you develop a feature, you are having you're, you're struggling to fulfill your time. Um, how to say it? You have to keep in touch with your schedule. Uh, you have to meet the requirements yeah. in time. And tracking is something that is always at the end. You don't want to measure anything that's not working. So yeah. uh, you know the answer. So it's not a priority. But how can you change this one from making it uh, to making it a priority, to making it a central part, um, to stop a feature release, which usually is not happening uh, quite not happening that often? But bringing the implementation to the design process. Once mm -hmm. you set up a template, um, you can easily add two more attributes to it, and, and you're done. And it's more about the responsibilities of a product owner to adjust your uh, acceptance criteria for a ticket. For example, is this one being measured? And it has to become a core of of your um, setup, future development, to set up analytics and test it because even if you're in a rush even if you're not uh, in your in your schedule anymore it's still important since most of the time the next decision your budgets are being yeah calculated uh, on your metrics and if they're not being measured the right way you're having huge problems and it's time not well saved once you you skip this part so sum it up the process bring it to the implementation pro uh, bring it to the development process not at the end but to the beginning and secondly um, make it part of your acceptance criteria to not finish a feature development or not say it's finished uh, as long as your tracking is not validated yeah yeah so the acceptance criteria um move i know as well and so i know teams who did it and it definitely improved things but they still <laughs> kind of skip it so they say okay that's the only criteria we don't match yeah, okay. next time <laughs> anyway, next time exactly but <laughs> what you just said i think is, is quite interesting because like um i mean of course like you could put it in the design process uh, of the development but you could even maybe go one step further back and can already um, work on the taxonomy in the process, for example, when the product team is working with uh, UX and design team and in that kind of state, because the interesting thing is like, since um, since you work on a feature on a visual level, so like um, defining context in this kind of uh, process is pretty, how to say, it's pretty close to the process. So because like you, you're thinking about, okay, what, what should we show in this kind of feature? So what kind of information we want to show? In, in the end, often like this kind of information then are uh, contexts and attributes that you put into tracking as well. So it's definitely connected. And it would be interesting to, to see how it would be possible like in, in the, let's say, to, to have a Figma layer 
if people design in Figma, or there are, of course, plenty of other design tools, but let's assume this one. Um, and then put a Figma layer on top, which is just defining the semantics there. And then it would make, so then it basically was from the place where you already started. It's in the visual context. So everyone really understands where it's happening. And then it basically defines it by itself. So for example, if you use something like Walker.js, so it already defines all the kind of attributes uh, that you would just put uh, into HTML code um, so that it can pick it up. Well, this could be interesting. Absolutely. I totally agree. When you're starting about the design or thinking about the process, the journey in first yeah. place and thinking my feature should have the following journey. You're, you're also, uh, you're, you're just uh, talking about the events a user can, or the process can, can be defined as. I see a product, I select product size, I put a product to the, to the basket. My checkout should be, my, my card should be plus one, the product. Mm -hmm. So I know by detail, um, I'm speaking in events, even though I'm speaking in natural language, but in a Figma layout, as you said, it, in our setup, let's say this is the context, this is the journey we are speaking about. Uh, it's very, it's way better for developers to understand um, the context uh, of, a, of a feature I'm developing to know, oh, I can also think in this case, uh, or this is not going to work in that case, because now I know the whole journey and I know that this is affecting the card, uh, once I speak about the, the product ad and all these little steps can be defined uh, in your meeting room where the idea of a new product feature is being discussed. And you, why do we drop this information about the events, the data collection part? It's, it's done, it's defined by, yeah, by, by default or once you're speaking about the interactions. So why don't we use this one, have a great measurement plan that we define the, or collect or store the journeys of a feature and then make this one the central part of our, of our measurement plan to know this is the basis for everything. Yeah. And since we are speaking about, so I think you mentioned context three or four times. And yeah. so, and, and context. So we discussed this uh, already, like in uh, when, when we talk about this topic before. But I think this is like context for me is like a super interesting uh, thing because, like, um, so in a snowplow world, for example, context is quite natural because they do a lot of things with context. But for a lot of people coming uh, into this world, for them, it's super hard to understand. But in the end, it's really interesting because like every kind of, let's say, object that um, is presented, let's let's assume a website. So every kind of object that is on this website or on this specific interaction um, is building its own context. So a product can be a context, a card can be a context, uh, a filter setting can be a context, anything else. And so But um, what I think people often forget is this kind of meta context um, that's around. So what are your ideas about, like, I mean, since, since, since we discussed it, I think you know where I'm, where I'm going. It's like, so what is, like, what is really like the benefits? And I think the, 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 at the moment, missed opportunity of like also sending, sending this kind of, how to say, meta context or really like the surrounding context uh, of different kinds mm -hmm. of things uh, with the tracking. This is uh, 
one part I skipped in my my first story uh, when I should was uh, responsible to set up the tracking. I learned that the context is the most important part. Um, yeah. We have one pro. We've had one product, and it's very stereotypical story because thinking of a of a glass of a beer glass in a in, in a um, category made for men, but made for and also made for women. The same product performs very mm -hmm. well different. Yeah. <laughs> very, there was a huge difference in in the metrics uh, at the card rate, for example, or the click rate, because it wasn't meant to be recommended to as a gift for women, but a glass, a wine glass was performing way better. So mm -hmm. a very stereotypical thing. Also thinking of uh, your career page. You have a job for a senior or a junior. You have a job for someone working in product or someone working in IT. The acquisition channel is very different. Yeah. Uh, once you you look to the context, it's also it's always a job, but a junior job has a different channel acquisition channel than a senior job, and the journey of both of these jobs is very can be very different and the context defines everything and has a huge impact and we're not drilling down in our data yet. It's pretty good um, that it's central part of Snowplow, for example, and it's very important that everyone understands the importance where a product is being placed, where a job is being, um, what kind of job is being viewed. And if a user does have a voucher in his in his card, for example, the chance or probability to convert or to buy at the end is way higher. So it's very easily speaking just to look at one conversion rate, mm -hmm. but it's way more interesting for data engineers to drill down to understand more about the context uh, of the events we're looking at. And is a user locked in? Is a user a second time buyer? Is it is a new one? Uh, is this uh, traffic um, we ca are coming from a search engine or just uh, by brand? We know the basics, and it's but it's not being used or being being thought of, of thought of a context yet, as it could be, in my opinion. So context is one of the most important things looking at an event. Yeah, yeah, no, I see the same, and I think. Um, we are just starting to generating, I don't, I don't know, some kind of ideas. I mean, you, you just mentioned something that would be super interesting to do, but I never did it. For example, it's like, um, if when someone comes on an e-commerce website, um, and is using an email where he gets, he or she gets, a uh, gets a voucher code. And so she, she clicks on the email and so it's immediately added to their card. And so of course, like we, we might track it in the card. So if like card things happening, like we might uh, track it in the checkout, but it would be super interesting to analyze these kind of sessions based on the context given if there is a voucher code uh, in the basket, because we could assume that the user journey on this session might be totally different to the ones who come on the website without a voucher code. And of course, like you can construct it later with the data. So you can look and everyone who has, but um, it would be even super interesting to also like have, let's say a global context object um, being on, on the website that is basically holding this kind of information. So for example, um, is, some, is a voucher code present? Um, so another thing, like how often did this person um, get to product detail page without uh, so with items out of stock 
So which could also like influence. So all the things that could influence a a session and some kind of ideas. And I think if you sit down with a product team, you would easily um, create a list of, I don't know, uh, 15 items or so that could be super interesting. And of course, like experimentation. So if you are in a specific experimentation variant and so. I think this is something we totally miss at the moment. So, and everyone is talking about hyper-personalization and so on, and we cannot even handle these kind of simple things. So (laughs) I think this is definitely something... uh, to do better but i think this is also like problematic because like current tracking sdks are not really built for that so of course like you can build it yourself um but like tracking sdks at the moment are solely um yeah event driven so they are just about uh where people interact with things and so i don't know um what do you think about global context uh sitting sitting on a website um, a lot. Um, it, it sounds like a no-brainer a product. It's not being added to cart. Yeah, but it's out of stock. But if you don't have the information, you can you can ruin your whole template by trying to find new ways of, of um, new button colors, new positions, whatever. But if a product, if people are looking for, if, if you're asking them, are you here for inspiration? Are you here for price comparison? Are you here for whatever? finding information about the product, you can use this information. And yeah. even if not everyone is going to answer those questions, it's it's okay if you just ask a small percentage of your users. And then you're creating context and then you can drill down. Then you can understand it way better. And you can try it just with locked-in users or not, uh, or anonymous users first place. Then you can continue to see if for for a product or the the entity on a page, if there's something more sp- or having having a huge influence like the in stock option for uh, in stock property for example, and we've added this in the Walker JS um, to to say, for example, set a global attribute that's mm-hmm. being attached to each event, even if it's not relevant in first place, um, it might be in future context because we do it with a user ID to attached to an event, which is a context as well. It's just, uh, yeah. we, we, we know this concept, but we don't know that it's it could be treated or it's treated like context, for example. Yeah. So yeah, we need the, the more. The, yes, the, Sorry, the, the, the interesting thing is like, as you, as you said, user ID. I mean, in this, and we can talk about this in a second too, it's like in this, let's say, in this area of, um, of GDPR, of lay, we, we are sensitive about what would be bound to some kind of user. Um, if you create these kind of content objects during a session, you don't even have to bound it to a user ID. So you can just say, okay, this is just, I don't know how the people interact. And we don't really care about um, who this person is because we just care about uh, what they're interested in. So it's um, we, we exactly, keep yeah. it basically kind of anonymized. Um, but we just derive things just from the way how people interact with things. And so, and this of course, like creates a profile too, but hopefully, um, hopefully not a profile that in the end you can bound back, uh, to, to a specific kind of person. And so, um, what, so maybe just coming back. So, um, how does Alpwalker at the moment, uh, is handling, um, user identification and, uh, yeah. So, well, in in general, identity management to some degree. 
we do have uh, by now we have each event with a user property coming with a session device and uh, and the and the user id for example that you can or hash for yeah the hash for the session the the id for known or logged in users and anonymous one for for cookie that you can store and all are optional parts because working with these four layers you can for example ask to uh, attach this data to each event or if you if it's enough to not identify user but also understand oh there's a product ad for example and i want to treat it as not for marketing but for product analytics mm -hmm. how often uh, or what are the steps before and after a product ad event for example um, you can set these properties and i think this is one of the most important things uh, since server side tagging is coming in place since um, the the ownership itself is getting way more important. Companies should be responsible, take, took the responsibility, the ownership of setting the identifiers, of setting the cookie ID itself, not by a vendor. You can link this one to your own one, but your server is generating a web page, placing uh, an identifier. If I'm having the consent, I can attach this one to the event And I can also merge it later with server-side tracking events, for example. But to be to, to make this one possible to work properly, I have to own the process of yeah. setting and using the identifiers. And this shouldn't be something based on, on third-party um, or vendors generating your IDs, but on your company and your service, uh, yourself, your, your strategy on setting those identifiers. Yeah, that's a very good point because I think most of the people really um, forget that if you load uh, a JavaScript um, from a analytics vendor, so it might be that uh, based on the documentation and the configuration they have right now, uh, you can just disable anything, but um, they can change it. And if you miss it and they change it, and so your tracking goes from not tracking any kind of identifiers to tracking identifiers because you just missed a release note. And so um, I think this is an interesting part that you you have to make a decision which parts of your setup you need to own um, to, in the end, handle the risk, I guess. I mean, this is like the only thing that I learned about GDPR is like, it's also like, it's always like a matter of risk handling. And so what kind of, how can I describe risks And how can I manage risk? And so I can document it so that if someone asks me that I can tell them, well, this at this point we see a risk and we manage it in this way. So this is quite interesting. Was this, I mean, what was the the idea to um, to make the Walker JS an, an open source package? So was this kind of the idea too, so that, that it gives companies the possibility to basically have something they can own and extend. I mean, of course, they can update it uh, with all the development that you do, but they can just stick with the version. Uh, they don't have to. So it um, gives you definitely more freedom. So what was uh, what was the idea behind that? Mm. Um, you mentioned a few points. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the open source software approach and especially in, especially in, in data, we have a huge trend forwards open source software. You have to trust, you have to, you're in charge for any breaches, for any um, 
misusage. In the end, uh, it's you uh, being responsible for any threats coming up and saying, sorry, I wasn't aware of this one. is not a good argument. And becoming data-driven, uh, becoming or reaching data ownership will not work as long as you, you don't know the processes since uh, from the collectional part. Yeah. Placing something in between your web page and a third-party vendor, for example, the implementation layer, which is something some people can see us as a plugin for Google Analytics, for example, to set this one up. But I see it as a, as a whole layer. You can decide, for example, which property should be um, passed through your third-party vendor, your destination, Google Analytics, for example. Am I going to replace the client ID by my own ID? Am I going to um, not tell the or reset the, the timestamp of an order um, or a complete event to, to make it more, not that unique, but to make it uh, one event for a day to not have a link through some thumbback doors, for example. I need to, to understand when and where, what events are being collected. Yeah. And I need to debug this one. And therefore, I need a general understanding. And I want to understand in detail, if, if I'm interested, when and where I'm collecting things. And people are way more open once you, you ask them to give feedback to your open source software, once you ask them to share their story, since everyone can use it. And I really like the idea. And you can build business models as well around open source software. And it's something we have to learn. And it's something that's very, I think it's the future to open source your software because people can tell you that there's a problem mm -hmm. um, once they are able to take a look inside. Yeah. No, that's that makes sense. And so I, I can already see this. I mean, you basically really opened up, um, for example, like the way um, where the data is sent to. And so like, uh, so you can build your own destination. So I know like out of the box, it, uh, it generates... Um, GTM data layer push events, and uh, I think you can also send it into uh, into GA itself. And also, like I think your like the the Alp Walker way would be like that data is sent to you, and then uh, it automatically appears in my BigQuery instance. So yeah, um, and an implementation layer can handle the the consent states, for example, as well. Yeah. Don't send any data to any third party tool. Uh, until you have consent yes. and don't send data if you're not having consent. Uh, and some some scripts, for example, expose your IP, of course, but also uh, send events by default uh, once being, even if it's low, if it's not loaded from, from their website, but loaded from your local page, uh, there are events, auto events that, that are being sent to, your, to, to a third party destination. And that's bad. An implementation layer will help you to wait for the consent that can handle the race conditions, that a page view is being sent before the, the product at event, for example, there are the common mistakes to, to do when not handling the right order. And it's, it's uh, a task done very often in tech management, for example, to ask for something, wait for something, order something, 
and then you have to do it over and over again for each tool. And that can get very complicated. And you, you are there again with a huge mess about when is being what collected. And you have to understand it. Yeah. I mean, in general, we, we grew up spoiled, I would say, uh, with a, an early uh, version of Google Analytics telling us whole, plenty of things just by measuring a page view. I knew where you're coming from. I knew where you're going to. And this is very accurate for lots of, lots of tasks or lots of questions we're going to measure. Mm -hmm. So becoming, uh, yeah, becoming data-driven yourself, uh, you have to become uh, independent by third-party tools that are telling you lots of great things by default. And an implementation layer can help you to, to get started, to control everything. Yeah. And better understand what's being collected collected in, in which channel. I think the control thing is definitely interesting here. Um, and I always see this like as, a, let's say, level two uh, of analytics. So you basically start out with uh, the things that you get out of the box. And uh, and in best way, it, it triggers some kind of question that then bring you to level two where you really have to make, let's say... Uh, decisions about how you do things i want to maybe i don't know i want to talk about another topic that i'm thinking about a lot too and um and so like this is like a little bit like the difference so we both have let's say some background in e-commerce and e-commerce in the end when it comes to tracking is quite straightforward so you let's say in a, in a very bare bone uh, setup you have let's say 10 events or 11 and so because like i mean the, the obvious thing so products can be viewed products can be added to cart and then there's some kind of checkout and, and in the end someone buys something um so in the end not so hard to implement but if you go really like into the the product analytics part so even like in in e-commerce so let's assume you have a product detail page and product detail page i mean if you if you go on very or to say, uh, there are, or put it like this, there are product detail pages, which are, can be quite complex because they include a lot of, let's say, different kind of assets that are helping to describe and maybe even configure the product. product. And so it, it's not just like someone views something. And this requires a lot more uh, implementation work in the end. So I know that we talked about like possibilities of, let's say, um, some kind, let's say, explicit auto-tracking or let's say make tracking a, um, a how to say, a part of the, of the page setup. So it's or on a component base so that, that basically like tracking is bound to some kind of components. And then um, you can make sure if, if someone uses CTAs across uh, the different kind of platform, you can at least make sure that some kind of tracking is happening on there. So... Uh, how do you see these these kind of challenges uh, for tracking implementation for product and some some ways to to make it easier? Because if you want to really get all the user inter interactions, um, the developers might hate you for ages to implement this all by hand. In a way, <laughs> you have tough times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and I knew that because I was the one uh, <laughs> being asked, "Can you set up this or can you tell us, please?" And yeah, it's very. No, developers are usually not that happy um, to, to just 
please quickly set up one event and another event, and you have to go down to read the documents and so forth and so on. So the idea of auto-tracking is very, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds great in theory, and there are lots of things um, where it's working properly. For example, auto-tracking is something like the page view is, and yeah. it's working pretty well. I knew where someone's coming from, I know uh, where the person's going to, just by reading the page views or seeing this once, I can I can tell a whole story. But it's great to know that there's someone going to a product detail page. Uh, I want to know what kind of detail page mm -hmm. this is. What is inside this page? What's happening on a page? And I have more the, the product events, the UX events, to improve my products. That I need to know how long does it take for someone to select sizes? How long does it take to put something to your basket? That's not something you can measure by default. You, you can ask for some things, for example, but if there are some special um, settings, for example, you're configuring or you need to configure a product yeah. and you need to configure another product in a different way with other uh, variants, the journeys differ from each other. And I need the information is this a product that needs to be configured? Is this a product uh, at the price of 10 euros or 1,000 euros? Because there's a difference in the user's in the, in the behavior. And auto-tracking tells us basic things, and I still need to know um, how this auto-tracking context is being produced. Um, I need to know, is it does it rely on your CSS selectors that can change from time to time does it is based on um, some some event listeners that are collecting the DOM tree for example how deep I am in, yep. inside um, inside of my my web page and building a context out of this one I like the idea for basic use cases and page view is the best example um, I often use the um, the story, like someone's entering a house, you know which entrance the person took, you know which room it is. And just by looking at a person, you get a basic understanding about the, the age, about the circumstances since uh, the, the person's going to visit you. But I don't know the person yet. I need to talk to the person. I need to get more information about the different interactions. And looking just by looking at me, you don't know me and the other way around too. So I need more detailed information about your interests, about your, your steps, but of course I need to ask you to <laughs> run, uh, to follow you and collect all the things. And auto-tracking is great to see the basic behaviors for basic analytics and basic understandings. But if I want to get in touch with a, or get to know a person better, I need uh, explicit tracking where I want, where I know I want to better understand your, your interest. So why don't we ask the person and collect this information mm -hmm. on a, with a, just a simple pop-up, for example. And the pop-up is asking a question. Are you here for inspiration or are you here for, do you want to buy something? Auto-tracking can tell you, of course, that the, the name of the button, but then you have to drill down and yeah. pull um, and clean data later on and we talked about defining the journeys at the beginning defining the interactions at the beginning 
then we can also define what we're going to measure and become data-driven just by thinking about the different interactions and making them measurable by using a descriptive or explicit tracking. And then we don't have to clean it up later, but we've, it, it might be... Or might, it might be not that much fun because you're not seeing the results uh, as fast as just uh, setting up or loading a third-party library that is doing auto-tracking for you. But when you know what you're going to measure and when you can describe your environment, know what's what's is having influence on my journey. Is the login status having um, impact on my journey? Is the the voucher thing uh, something impacting my journey, user's journey? I should add it. But yeah. if not... I should leave it. And auto-tracking collects some things maybe I forgot in first place. And tracking is something, it's, it's never done. Your product is constantly evolving. Your product is constantly changing. And so tracking does. I think this is like kind of the, how to say, I don't know if we should close with this one because it's a quite frustrating note for everyone uh, who's managing tracking and uh, have to implement tracking, but you're unfortunately totally right. I mean, tracking is really never done. But I would really say like for me, like the, the major takeaway from today, because like, I mean, we, we talked about this topic before a lot, but what really um, was shining through through the whole conversation today was really like the importance of context uh, and these like, um, maybe like to make context a first-class citizen, maybe even like beyond. I mean, I, I was talking for quite some time to, to make events first-class citizens uh, to, to really make sure that, that interact, interactions are getting tracked. But I think maybe the next step is really like to, to, uh, to make sure how to work with context. Because in the end, when I work with product and UX teams, and so like teams who are not really like fully into data all day, um, This is basically the, the, the things they are thinking about. They are always asking context question. How do people which, I don't know, search for blah, 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 um, how did they perform afterwards? And what are the significant pages they looked in their journey? And so this is always about, they, they always, if you, if you just listen to these kind of con uh, questions, you always see all the context shining through as different kind of filter criteria. And totally, so, yeah. yeah. A search is a good example as well uh, a search leading to zero results won't lead to any clicks after a product with a promotional banner or uh, out of stock banner for example is not is having a different performance uh, too so the context i totally agree um, we we shouldn't start with collecting everything measuring everything and we should start with what's What is having influence my special, my individual business case? Yeah. What's the influence of of a flag or something uh, placed, a, a visual on my page uh, to the journey, to a micro journey, for example? And once you start to question yourself in the beginning, not afterwards, but in the beginning, you're way better understand and you're way, as a developer, You, way, you define your, your journey and your requirements way better to understand um, the development requirements because I know this is a context and I need context to develop things. A heat map, for example, is great to know that a button is being clicked, but a heat map telling you this is the button for, for I know, uh, add to cart, this is a button for uh, a variant, for example, 
and not all products are having variants. So, of course, the one that's being clicked all the time is the add to cart button, but the variants just apply on on, pay, uh, on products with variants. And I need this context to understand yeah. to find the right metrics. Yeah, I take this as a uh, as closing words because I think it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a really good it's a really good ending for this. So uh, thank you a lot. Uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure uh, to do it and uh, to talk about all these things and like I mean. You're one of the few people who share the same passion like I do uh, to uh, to basically collect things, to track things in the right way. So. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> It's always great to talk to you uh, about these kind of things. So thank you very much. And uh, for everyone who's listening, um, I yeah, hope thanks. we well. get to the next one. Yeah, thank you and have a great day. You too. And to all the others outside, out there and looking forward to discuss further ideas. We will do. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found some stuff that was interesting, maybe even new, maybe triggers some further thoughts um, in your head so that maybe gives you a new perspective on a specific topic. At least this is what I'm always loving about podcasts. So it triggers my brain to do crazy new things And um, I hope you found something interesting um, in this episode as well. So one important thing, if you have any kind of questions about the tools we are discussing in this podcast, any kind of questions about tracking setups in general, how you should approach a specific kind of problems, or even if you say, I don't have really an idea what kind of tracking setups make sense for my business, for the current situation that it's in. Um, just reach out to me. And so this is pretty easy. So on the one hand, you can all go over to LinkedIn and you can type in my name. You can find me and you can just write me a message. That's one way. And the other way is like you can also go on our website, deepskydata.com, and there is um, a, a button um, that you can set up a call. So you can click it. You can schedule 30 minutes with me. And these 30 minutes are always free. So um, no obligations. It's just like, it's, it's, it's not a sales call. So it's really like you can put in your question. You can put in your problems where you're basically stuck. So I can pr present you maybe one or two ideas how I would approach these kind of topics. And that's it. So I'm, I mostly want, really want to help here. Uh, to, to basically unblock you and give you some new ideas. So uh, if that's something for you, don't hesitate, just reach out. Um, this will be super fun to do. Um, and I see you in the next episode.